working in the old technical department, but hopefully she'll be able to join us at some point. Um, this is our first Mindset and You interview, and today I've got with me Dr. Hazel Harrison, which I'm really excited about because we met only a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn, um, and she's very kindly um, offered to come and have a chat with us today. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank um, you for inviting me. Yeah, no worries. So would you just be able to talk a little bit about yourself, um, introduce who you are, what you do, um, and we'll take it from there. Okay, so I'm Hazel Harrison. I'm a clinical psychologist. And um, I, at the moment, sort of do a few different projects, really, but all focused around how we can take care of our mental health and improve our well-being um, across sort of all ages, really. But my specialism is, is with children and young people. Fantastic. So how did you get into this? How, what, where, where did your journey start? Um, so I trained to become a clinical psychologist and after that spent many years um, working with the NHS in sort of different settings, um, you know, uh, just sort of what we might call sort of mental health um, settings and also working with young people who had autism. And um, I suppose I just really started to feel that there was a lot more that we could maybe do to share um, ideas about mental health with, with children and young people and their families. And so in the last few years, I set up Think Avalana as a way to try and do that and to get some of this um, info that we understand, particularly, you know, ideas around growth mindset, around well-being, um, out to people so that hopefully they can use them and make it, you know, something that um, is beneficial for them. And I'm, I suppose that's one of the things I always say is like, whenever you hear people like me talking about mental health and well-being, is like there might be things that really resonate that you think, yeah, I'd like to try that in my family or that really makes sense to me. And there'll probably also be things that just really don't feel like they fit. And I think it's really important that people know it's fine to take what's useful, leave what isn't useful, you know, because uh, it's definitely not a one size fits all when it comes to um, to this sort of work. So and did you was it i know for me about the age of 11 and 12 i was like yeah i'm going to be a teacher this is what i'm going to be so where at your point in your career did you go yeah i'm going to be a, a, a clinical psychologist it's <laughs> <laughs> a good question uh, so i did psychology as an undergraduate and i had some great lecturers and tutors that were really sort of supporting me through that and they were really the ones who started to say have you thought about this as a career and this might work quite well for you and the things that you're interested in and i think i never really thought that i would go on to sort of do a doctorate in clinical psychology i don't really consider myself to be particularly academic um but it was really their encouragement and i think probably they their understanding of neuroplasticity and how our brains work and me saying I just don't really understand some of this stuff and they're like well you can you just have to keep working at it you know uh, that was really I suppose some of the encouragement that, um, that I needed to kind of carry on with my studying and my family who've been you know tremendously supportive in sort of trying to help me pick out things that I want to do that I feel meaningful for me so yeah and is that sort that of, you've sort of answered my next question really about where your passion comes from and it, and has it come from those lectures that you had all those years ago or has it been something else yeah really no totally about? like I when I sit in psychology lectures I just was getting so sort of fired up about it really interested and I wanted to learn more and I was really geeky about it and I wanted to go away and read more about it and it was like really unfamiliar for me because I was like this is so unusual this isn't how you normally respond to you know work um 
so I suppose it was finding something that really resonated and really felt like um, I wanted to know more. And I continue to feel that way now, which is really lovely for me, that I just want to find out more about lots of things in relation to kind of what makes us human and, you know, what we can, can learn about ourselves. And doesn't that make it much easier to get out of bed when you're absolutely passionate <laughs> about what you do? It really yeah. does. I mean, I'm, most of the time I'm quite happy to get to work. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Okay, so obviously myself and Liz, you know we are um, a complete geeks about growth mindset and, and developing children's mindsets and also adults' mindsets as well. Um, why do you think growth mindset is so important in, in children? I mean, I guess what we've learned from the research over the last few years has been quite influential in making me understand that this could be really useful for us from a mental health perspective too. So, and I suppose we can expand it to not just thinking about growth mindsets, but just mindsets in general. So when we talk about a mindset, what we're really talking about is a kind of cluster of beliefs that we hold that will influence how we act, how we feel about things, you know, um, the emotions that we might experience in relation to some of those. And it they, mindset's a sort of a shortcut that we develop and we have them about all sorts of things. Uh, and, and they kind of mean that we don't have to keep processing information and going through the same things each time to go, how do I feel about this? You know, they're kind of that snappy thing that means we just respond because we already have a mindset set up that tells us about it. Um, and I think from a mental health perspective, what was quite interesting is when we started to teach children that, you know, you can change perhaps aspects of how your brain functions, you can change your mindsets about things that can be quite influential for um, our treatment um, interventions too. So particularly around sort of anxiety and depression. So I think for me, I just became really excited about this idea that um, in teaching children about the fact that our brains can be quite malleable and they can change and we can change what we believe it can be really influential across a number of things but particularly I suppose we talk about growth mindset when we help children to understand that their skills and abilities aren't fixed that they weren't born you know, being able to do something or not that we understand that our brain wires in relation to experience then we can also start to help them understand that it's worth putting in effort and practicing things and trying again and you know taking on a challenge and I think those are all the things that you know help us to keep learning and keep growing so um, it feels I think quite important across a range of areas in our lives you know education is one but I think it's it's bigger than that too. Absolutely it's really interesting you said about how when you teach them about the, the the brain having neuroplasticity that that's like a game changer and a lot of um one of the sessions that we, we like to do with children is about all about neurons and how they fire and how how what happens in your brain when you're actually learning something new and it, it's like you could hear a pin drop because their children are just fascinated thinking oh my word that's going on in my head and they just can't almost comprehend that this this is me this is going in my head and um and we often say sort of say you know i'm going to put my x-ray glasses on now and i want to see your neurons firing and they're like oh wow okay um and children sort of before those sessions almost have this sort of idea of well this is just me this is who i am i've always been told i'm good at maths i've always been told i'm i'm a good artist or i'm a good uh, footballer and and that's just the way i am and and they don't see the other possibilities of, of what they can do sometimes. So that's yeah. really 
interesting that you found that uh, um, as well. Okay, so we were talking before we went on 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 live that actually I feel particularly that growth mindset has had a bit of a bad press. Um, schools have had a go at it and they've um, thought, well, it doesn't work. This isn't for us. It's it's hard work. We're saying all these things. We've got the lovely posters on the walls, but nothing's really changing. Um, and that Carol's Carol's work is is um is not right it's just all made up mumbo jumbo so what would you say about that one why why do you think it's had such a, a bad press i mean i think you know one of the th really important things to remember is that it comes from a place of research and mm -hmm. when we continue to research it we will learn new things and i think carol's such a great kind of you know ambassador for that herself in saying there were some things i thought about growth mindset at the start that we've done more research mm -hmm. and we now understand are different and we've got a new learning and a new understanding about it now for example, you know, that idea that maybe we were growth mindset or we were fixed mindset. And now she's sort of said more recently, actually, we're both. We were always both. We move yeah. in and out of these places, depending yeah. on the sorts of things that are going on in our lives. So I think sometimes, you know, it's really important to remember that this is about research and we will keep learning new things. Um, but the ways in which it can be implemented is quite broad, too. And therefore, you will get different results based on how it's being used. And I, I suppose for me, I'm less interested in this sort of increase in academic attainment that that doesn't sort of fire me up and get me so, so more excited than actually what does this mean for children's lives and how they view themselves and, and what does this mean for, you know, what they'll be willing to do in the future. And I think that it is effortful being, you know, using even implementing growth mindset is effortful and practicing being in a growth mindset space is effortful and for many of us we maybe need to reverse or you know rewire our own brains in relation to it to, to think about how we speak about things in a different way and I know for me that's been you know that's been sort of a few years of learning how to change some of my language to fit with with some of these ideas and to make sure I'm not reinforcing sort of fixed mindset attitudes so um I think there's a lot of things that will influence how well these can be implemented and the diversity of outcome that you'll get in that um but I I suppose you know we have to just remember that we're still learning and we will continue to learn more about how to implement these um, sort of ideas in ways that will be sort of the most likely to have success. Um, but it's not easy, you know. No. That's and I think there's um, the word success is viewed so differently between different people as well. You know, some people think success is down to having a nice car or having a big house or having the money. And actually, especially at the times like these, like we were saying, actually success is about being being happy in yourself, being able to engage with other people. Um, and it's those sort of life skills, really, rather than the academics that you mentioned before. And and that's one of the reasons why we, we became so passionate, because um, there was so much focus on academics in schools and we were feeling that pressure as teachers 
ultimately we push that pressure onto the children and that for me was not what teaching was about anymore teaching was about preparing these children for the wider world for when they get older for when they experience failure and when things go wrong and how they respond to those things and how um, we can try and build up that what we call their bounce back ability to you know it's okay this has happened I'm going to learn from it let's get back up and let's let's carry on and so yeah that's that's really interesting that that we agree on those that thing as well okay so um my so sort of heading towards the end of our interview here now so i'm looking really obviously we've talked about we're in unprecedented times as well and things are difficult not just for for children at the moment but also for parents as well um but i want us to think about well-being because that is your that's your bag it's not just all about mindset but it um it's it's the whole whole uh, holistic approach to well-being and what your five top tips would be um especially at this moment in time but as we move forward into the future that we could take away with us okay so i think first of all um one of the really helpful things is to define what we mean when we talk about well-being as particularly with children i think one of the easiest definitions to talk about is about feeling good and doing good and that's how we kind of understand well-being and some people think like well-being is about being happy all the time actually having a kind of strong you know development of of well-being means also understanding your emotional experiences at a range of times and it's okay if we're not all sort of bouncing around at the moment saying this is lovely you know clearly it's not this is a massive yeah. challenge for lots of people and well-being is about kind of understanding your emotional experiences too and being able to articulate those and to kind of navigate those so i think in terms of a really quick five one of the easiest models to think about is the one that the nhs um, have invested quite heavily into and it comes from some of nick mark's research and it's what they call the five ways to well-being and so it, i'll talk you through them so there's give which is about making sure that we keep um, finding ways to be kind to others. There's a, so much science actually underneath that idea that it can really diminish our um, sort of anxiety and fears when we're doing things that help other people and it helps us to feel connected. So, uh, which brings me on to number two, which is connect. It's really hard to keep kids connected with their friends at the moment. Um, I think we do have to use technology sometimes to enable that to happen. Lots of parents are getting stressed about how much time their kids are on screens. So just to say really quickly, the research doesn't support that it, this is going to be damaging for them if they're using screens in a variety of ways, and particularly if they're using screens to connect with their friends, which is really important. So we've got give, we've got connect. Um, be active, you know, do Joe Wicks or whatever you can each day. <laughs> Uh, to keep your bodies moving, do it with your kids if you can, or, you know, encourage them to keep doing little bursts of activity throughout the day, because that's really helpful for our mental health and our physical health. Um, keep learning, you know, we were talking about and working with the BBC Bite Size Project at the moment, there's so much resource available there, um, so check it out. There are the lessons that are on iPlayer, but also, uh, you know, on the Bite Size website, I mean, there's so much learning to potential to have and we know that our brains need to keep this newness this novelty this opportunity to learn um but also like you said it's not just about learning um you know kind of history and geography and, and those things it can be about 
learning some other life skills around the home um you know whilst we're sort of in lockdown and the last one is about um taking notice and really this is about kind of moments of being able to pause and reflect um some people might call that mindfulness some people call that prayer um it's just an opportunity to check in and to have a moment of calm and just to see where you're at so mm -hmm. give connect be active keep learning and take notice are the sort of five ways that we can all think about kind of taking care of our well-being at the moment and they're all supported by a lot of science that says that they can be helpful to us definitely and i think the take notice one is one that i've sort of developed really during this pandemic because i've had the time uh, yeah. or, or now I'm hoping that I can build time into when things go back to normal but I've had the time to really stop and it was um I was watching Stephen Fry on the BBC News the the, the uh, other day it was about three weeks ago and he obviously he suffers with um anxiety and depression and he was saying that you know just slowing things down he said he was saying you're going to have so much time during the day um, where you would normally be busy just slow everything right down and just take time to appreciate the little things and he was talking about when he cooks he chops everything up and puts the peppers in one pot and the onions in another pot and just really sort of takes time to appreciate what he was actually doing and I thought that's a really good um way of looking at looking at it as well just it's okay to take my time I don't have to be yeah, rushing definitely. around all the time yeah no, yeah. and I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. taking notice is also about kind of novelty as well. You can, you know, sitting somewhere mm. different in your house or if you have an outside space, just noticing, you know, you are going for your walk, noticing new things, seeing what you can spot that you wouldn't yeah. usually spot. And what you're really doing is bringing mm. your mind to the present moment so you can give it a break from mm. thinking about what just happened or what's about to happen. And, you know, we know that yeah. that can be really helpful for us. So, yeah, yeah, focusing on chopping the onions as you're chopping them, yeah. and, you know, not making it a race. No, exactly. And it's nice just to feel but it isn't a race that we can take our time and we can appreciate things which is lovely which is which is what this is this has provided the opportunity i think um for us to do that now you mentioned about you you working with the bbc and you've done your sessions um on well-being um and they've gone down really really well and quite often we get uh, teachers and, and parents saying to us well i want to start work on mindsets and i want to start doing this but how what are the steps that i follow and that we often find it's a really difficult question to answer because everybody's so different but what would you suggest to somebody that's thinking actually i'm really interested in this what do i need to do now what would you suggest so i suppose the first thing i suggest is to start playing around with it yourself you know mm -hmm. and before you kind of sort of rush out and and change everything else about everyone else just start playing around with what it means to you and and actually maybe challenging yourself with things that you believe you can't do and, and exploring whether there's a way that you can improve and just sort of testing out I guess the neuroplasticity theory yourself although we do have to remember that as we get older our brains are a bit less manageable which means we have to put in a bit more effort than we might have to if we were younger but that doesn't mean we can't change how our brain functions and there's so much neuroscience that shows that we can um so yeah i think just playing around with some of those ideas yourself um you know carol's book is obviously brilliant and there's a lot of um, resources online to just kind of start to explore i think it can be really powerful to start to talk 
about um, mistakes and failures and what that actually means to you. And, and maybe you might notice that there are, you know, uh, beliefs and mindsets that you have about failure that have come through your own life experiences that maybe need to just be thought about in a different way or looked at from a different perspective. So often we can feel, you know, shame and, and embarrassment about getting things wrong and, mm -hmm. um, and put a lot of pressure on ourselves to do things perfectly all the time. And I think exploring growth mindset also means you have to start exploring what it means when you get stuff wrong and how you make sense of that and, mm -hmm. and the sorts of conversations that you might have with other people around those. And that doesn't mean that getting stuff wrong isn't going to be painful anymore. It is. It still yeah. really hurts. But, you know, it's about sort of understanding what that means and what you do from that point, how you move forward, that it's not a signal that maybe you're never going to be able to do it or that you're no good or, you know, but actually just that you might need some more support or a different way around thinking about it. Yeah, because if this this is going to work for your children or whoever it is that you're you're thinking about it, it would work for, it's got to work for you, hasn't it? And you, you're sort of that role model as well in yeah. terms of um, showing how you, you are trying to develop your mindset, but also being open and honest about, well, actually, I've had, I've, had these thoughts today and they're more fixed mindset and maybe even asking people for support and and help and, and how you could change or what you could have done differently and um sharing those experiences are just as important as trying to develop someone else's mindset aren't they really yeah and if you do start implementing this with your own children or in the classroom wherever you have to be re ready for when you, if their kids start giving you loads of feedback about how ethically you're getting everything wrong so. you know, for me is is, a, is one of my my triggers really and i've, I've learned to really uh think about it carefully and this this week i've made some soup and uh, we we dished it out and i'd said to everybody right and, and they and just tell me what you think I mean, my son was like this is awesome i love it i look you know sick as they like to say now <laughs> uh, my daughter said well actually it's all right with the bread but on its own i'm not so keen and i was like i'm okay i'm dealing with this <laughs> okay i'm embracing the feedback yeah, yeah. I'm not making that soup again. <laughs> I'm going to a red pepper soup next time and see if that has a better impact. <laughs> there you go. But also those are opportunities, aren't they, for you to go, okay, yeah. what could we do to make it better next time? And and but I think it is about modeling imperfection. You know, if you want to play around with growth mindset and start to think about what that means, it also means a massive amount of self-compassion. Yeah. And showing everyone that we are human and we will make so many mistakes throughout our daily lives. And being kind to ourselves when that happens, and also being willing to learn from the stuff that goes yeah. really wrong. Also, you know? have, maybe have a laugh about it as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So well, but it was quite funny. <laughs> you know, exactly. Being, yeah. I mean, I burn stuff all the time when I'm cooking. It's a regular occurrence <laughs> in our family because I I know the science about multitasking, but I don't apply it with cooking. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I can do thousands of things and do this. Um, but, you know it's an interesting one because I think it is an opportunity for all for people to give a bit of feedback about what they like yeah. and don't like and you kind of you know yeah, yeah definitely so um the future for you um obviously this is a strange time but you said you're incredibly busy anyway but um where where are we going next what are the plans for you Hazel well I'm who knows I don't really know I think it's <laughs> I'm really excited that the BBC have put well-being into 
their lesson schedule and I think that really shows a big shift for us um you know nationally as well in terms of what we're going to prioritize and I do hope that as we come out of um you know this really challenging and and difficult and heartbreaking experience I think we're going to need um to think more about well-being and how we support those who've lost um family and friends and and how we take care of each other and I hope that I can get involved with some projects that will be putting that on their agenda so yeah yeah well I know they'd be greatly appreciated um it's been lovely to talk to you Hazel thank you so much for coming on today um I'm lovely sorry Claire, Claire, Liz, but hopefully there'll be another t- opportunity for us to do that in the future um but yeah thank you for your input it's been really Liz. Yeah. <laughs> <Hi> Liz. <laughs> but yeah thank you so much Hazel it's been lovely um so we'll see it there and and look forward to our next um interview which will be coming up in the next couple of weeks going to be speaking to ben cooper from waggle teaching he's a teacher over in dubai and we'll be getting his thoughts on um, mindsets and how it works in his school so we'll look forward to that interview so take care everybody thanks very much bye